Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just come out of a time of worship and that's the hallelujah you get? Come on. Is he worthy to be praised or is he not? Would his praise be continually in your mouth or not? Hallelujah. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He deserves every fiber of your being. Man, I am excited because I see the fruit of the labor come into fruition. Young people who are hungry for the raw, unadulterated presence of God here in this house. They don't want the gimmicks. They don't want the gold. They don't want the bells. They don't want the whistles. They want the presence of God. And that excites me more than anything. To see young people who will take hold of the presence of the Lord and bring it to their generation. That should be something that excites every person in the building. It's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. I can't help but get excited when I think about the presence of the Lord and to see the next generation grab it and bring it and say, not my generation to the enemy. Tell the enemy that this is a restraining order. You can only come this far. I'm taking the presence of, the God, to, of God to a lost and dying generation. I love this house. I love this people. Man, you guys are exciting to be around. Hallelujah. Judah thinks so. Hallelujah. I love that little guy too. Well, I want to say thank you for coming out. I want to say thank you for being here. I want to say thank you for, for coming and worshiping for coming and being a part of the body of believers. So often we, get, we, we push what we do and what we should do and what we should be, that sometimes we just forget to just be. Be the body of believers that comes together, that celebrates the risen Savior. You guys are awesome, and I love this house. Today I have a challenging message for you, and I hope that as I, as I minister today that you'll give me some time. If this is your first time in this house, don't leave before it's over. If this is your, your second time, don't leave. I believe the Lord wants to do something mighty in this house. I heard a quote by a guy named John Wimber that said, sometimes the Lord will offend the mind to reveal the heart. And sometimes we have to let our hearts be revealed so that the Lord can do a special work inside of our heart. If we don't allow our mind to be offended, if we only listen to the, the, the truth that we want to hear, your heart will never be revealed. And if your heart is never revealed and brought to the light, the Lord can never deal with it. That's the mark of a true believer, one that takes the word of God and allows it to do the work that it's supposed to do, to produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce. Jesus told his disciples that, that I have told you these things so that you would not be offended. And offense is such a powerful word because it can mean many things, especially in this culture. But when we become offended, we become bitter. And when we become bitter, we become stagnant. And when we become stagnant, we die. You must let the word of God offend your mind so that your heart can be brought closer to the Lord. And I want you guys to understand today, we're going to go through a little bit of just what it means to walk by the Spirit. And walk in the newness of life that Christ has for you. And sometimes that's a tough conversation because we want to live in our soulless realm where our mind and our will and emotions get to have a say in what we do. But that's not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible says putting off our flesh, becoming what Christ has made us to be. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives on the inside of me. We must put off our flesh and become who Christ has called us to be. Otherwise, this generation will never be what the Lord wants for it to be. This generation will never hear the message the Lord wants for it to hear. If somebody doesn't take the word of God to their generation, to their workplace, to their, to, to their, their school, 
So I, I, I want to start in, in Romans chapter 8. As I said, it's a little bit of a challenging message, so bear with me. Um, you know, w- one thing that I always tell people is there's a drastic difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation actually comes from a word that means to be declared wrong. When you hear that voice that comes in your head that tells you you're wrong, you're a mistake, you're a mess up, you'll never be anything, that's being declared wrong. Conviction actually is a word, it's a, conjunct, it's a mixture of two words that actually means to be made to see. You guys, we sing the song, right? I was blind and now I see. Conviction actually means that we're allowing the Lord to open our eyes to see things. We'll see our future. We'll see who the Lord has called us to be. We'll see what the Lord intended for us to be. When you allow the Lord to convict your heart, it will actually pull you to a closer relationship with him because you'll see things as you did not see them before. Condemnation always has to do with your past, where you messed up, who you hurt, the things that you've done in your past. You'll never be able to go forward. Conviction always has to do with your future. I see your past, but I want to take you forward. And if you get stuck in condemnation, if you allow your heart and your mind to get stuck in condemnation this morning, you will not receive a single thing that the the Lord has for you today by his word. You have to allow the the word to prick your heart and to change your heart. You have to be willing to be malleable this morning so that the word and the Lord can work on you. So I want to start in Romans chapter 8. Your challenge today is to allow the Lord to work in your heart. Amen? I'll race you there. (laughs) Pastor Whippy, the overachiever. Romans 8, verse 1. We're going to read a lot of scripture, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot more for you today. How many of you guys love the Word of God? I will not apologize for reading the Word of God in the house of the Lord. People, I hear people say we're just going to read one or two verses today, and that's, that's great. Billy Graham said the way that whenever he preached, he felt when he felt religion pushing back, and he felt like men's tradition was coming against him when he would preach, he said he would read more scripture, and he would watch that religion get broken up. So Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know that the Bible actually, when you read the Word of God, there's two things that it does. One, it gives you prescriptive text. It tells us what we are supposed to do. Two, it gives us a litmus test. If I walk around with condemnation on my life, I'll never be anything. That church hurt me. These people did something else to me. I'll never be good enough. That tells me right there that you are not walking by the Spirit of God. When you have condemnation on your life, it tells me you have an open door to the enemy or you have not allowed your mind to be renewed by the word of God. When you have condemnation in your life, that's actually the enemy's favorite amusement park to show up to. He can do anything that he wants in your mind because you've become offended, right? Or you've become hurt and you've allowed that hurt to become bitterness. And I'm not excusing anybody's experiences here. I'm not saying that your trauma wasn't validated. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm saying is you have a duty. You may not have had a responsibility how it happened to you, but you have a responsibility to how you happened to it. And if you don't allow the word of God to be more real to you than what somebody has done to you or what a situation has said about you, you will continue to live in bondage to condemnation, to guilt, to shame, and to pain. It will become stagnation, and stagnation will kill you. It is a very dangerous thing. 
You'll lose your will to live. You'll lose your desires. You'll lose the things that you want to become. You'll never believe the word of God about yourself if you're always questioning what it says about you. Condemnation does not mix with the blood of Jesus Christ. Hear me out today. When you recognize there is victory in the blood of Jesus, there is victory in the name of Jesus, condemnation does not mix with those two. I cannot be condemned and in victory at the same time. I can be convicted, but I cannot be condemned. Because when Jesus Christ died my death on that cross, he actually appeased my guilt with the Father, and I have absolutely no issue. When the Father looks on me, he sees Jesus, and he rejoices because he loves me, because I'm his son. You're his son. You're his daughter. You have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I love the word of God. For the law, this is verse 2, if you didn't know, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from what the law, uh, from the law of sin and death. Hear me out really quick. If you're experiencing sin and you're experiencing perpetual sin and you're experiencing death in your life, you do not have the spirit of God living on the inside of you as he would desire. You have to take the word of God and hide it in your heart. The enemy has no no defense and no offense against the word of God. Verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't carry sin. I don't carry death. You're going to find out in a minute. I don't even have a responsibility to obey the flesh or sin when it pops up. I don't have to do that. The Bible says I'm free from those things. I don't have to act as a child acts. I don't have to act as an immature believer. I have the spirit of God living living on the inside of me. What I witnessed this morning as we were led in worship was people who decided they weren't waiting on revival. They weren't waiting on a move of God. They decided to become a move of God. And how many of you enjoyed worship this morning? How many of you felt freer when you walked in the building? Because they allowed the Lord to do the work on the inside of their heart, and then they could carry that to the people. You were broken free this morning out of chains and out of bondages and out of things that the world has put on you this week because somebody decided, I won't obey the flesh. I won't obey a weakness. I don't have to follow the law of sin and death. I have the spirit of life of Christ Jesus living on the inside of me. Amen. 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 Man, you guys love the word of God as much as I do? Verse 3, for what the law could not do, <laughs> for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Look to your neighbor and say, God did it. God did it. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You have no obligation to obey the flesh. We're going to explain what all this means in just a second. You have no obligation to fulfill the law of the flesh. I hear people say, I don't have peace in my mind, right? We would call that anxiety. We would call that depression. We would, I hear people say, I have this sin and I can't get free from it. Well, stop having that sin. The Bible says I have no obligation to fulfill the law of sin and death. Zero obligation. Sometimes there are strongholds that are built in your mind that you have to get, you have to get free from by the renewing of your mind. 
in the world. You, you can have as many people slap oil and rub hands on you or do whatever you want to do, but until you believe the word of God for yourself, you will always live in bondage. It doesn't matter who prays for you. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what somebody prophesies over you in a KFC parking lot. You have to believe the word of God for yourself. Amen. That's the mark of a true believer. Hey, if, and by the way, if, if somebody's prophesying to you in a parking lot and it's not like John Hagee, you should probably realize that the Lord hasn't given them a platform because they're, can I say idiots in the pulpit? Is that allowed? I haven't had preaching class yet. So verse five, for those who live according to uh, the spirit, uh, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Again, the word has prescriptive text and then it has a litmus test where I can diagnose myself. When I notice my thought life start drifting off to the things of the flesh, when I notice that my screen time changes to something that it shouldn't be, when I notice that the movies that I start wanting to watch become something that they don't glorify the Lord, when I notice that the conversations that I have are no longer about the goodness of the Lord, but maybe the badness of other people or how much I hate the Applebee's waiter or, or whatever's going on in my life, I recognize my mind is set on the things of the flesh and not on the things of the spirit. That will lead you to condemnation because you open a door for the enemy. He comes in and sets up a lazy boy in your mind and starts telling you, you ain't worth nothing. You'll never be worth nothing. How do you think you can do this? Did you see how those people talk to you? Any voice that causes you to feel sorry for yourself, that makes you feel belittled, things like that, that's not the Lord speaking to you. The Lord doesn't come and then leave heaviness. Show me somewhere in the word of God where Jesus showed up and made somebody worse than they were when he showed up. Show me in the word of God when he showed up and made somebody more blind than they were before he got there. When they made somebody more heavy, more crippled. That's not the, that's not the voice of the Lord. The Lord wants you free. We sing victory, we'll dance, we'll jump, we'll scream victory. But when it comes time to believing it for ourselves, you know that you can get to a place in the Lord that the enemy can't even find you? I take very, very literal the scripture where it says that he'll actually crush the enemy's head. Jesus Christ lives on the inside of me. When the enemy comes at me, he's got to get through Jesus Christ first. And I will tell you, that is very hard. It's impossible. I'm hidden in Christ. You, you are hidden in Christ. When you believe the word of God, when you walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You guys still with me? Do I need to preach louder? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Seven, because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God. When you have a flesh thought pattern, when you have a worldly thought pattern, when you have a thought pattern that leads to God, you actually put yourself in enmity against God. You, you actually put your thought life at war with God. And then people say, how come I've prayed this prayer so much? How come I've asked for deliverance? How come I can't get over this thing in my head? Because you won't renew your mind with the word of God. You won't allow the word of God to become your thought. I had a friend that called me the other day and he told me, he said, you know, he said, I can't sleep. I have these racing thoughts. They keep coming to me at night telling me, well, you know, I don't know what you're doing. You don't, you're, not, you're never going to achieve. You're never going to do. You're never going to become. And if you know me well enough, you know I'm not normally the guy to come to for sympathy. I want to fix your problem or I don't want to talk about it. And I asked him, I said, where's the open door? What's going on? What did you open to the enemy? What's your thought process? Because the enemy can't come in and attack you. The, 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 uh, Revelation chapter 12 says that he's the accuser of the brother. 
If he has nothing, if I've done nothing illegal, I can't be accused. Not in its stand. And you have to realize there's a courtroom in heaven. When I go to the Lord and I say, my life is pure. My life is whole. I believe the word of God. The enemy has to leave that quick. There's no war. I don't have to pray for 48 hours and you know, open the heavens and, and get a shofar and twirl a flag around and dance or do whatever. I believe the word of God and I walk in victory. And for some of you guys, this is going to come off as very arrogant. I can already sense that some of you guys feel like I'm putting condemnation on you because maybe you have those thought processes. I am not. If you'll allow your mind to be pricked today and you'll allow your heart to be changed, the Lord will also deliver you from things that you have not been able to get uh, deliverance from for a very long time. Amen. 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 You have to get out of your head and get out of the get into the spirit. The Bible says that the spirit. The kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink. It's not in eating and drinking. We walk by the spirit. We satisfy not the flesh. We satisfy the spirit. So, uh, eight. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You ever feel like sometimes you can't please God? It could be because you're walking by the flesh. You can take this as a litmus test and apply it to your own life. And here's the cool thing. You can fix it. That's the empowering of the Holy Spirit inside of your heart. You can actually fix the parts of your life that you don't like. You can actually live a victorious life. I grew up in like Pentecostal, a world where, you know, we had to have emergency tongue prayer meeting all night long to get something delivered or get something fixed. And so I grew up thinking that I had to work to see victory of God in my life. And that's not the truth. I can walk in perpetual victory because Christ lives in me. I say what Christ says. I do what Christ does. If it can't get on Christ, we're going to learn this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're having fun this morning. Amen? If it can't get on Christ, it can't get on me. If it can't get in Christ, it can't get in me because Christ is in me. I crucified my flesh. I buried that old man. You can come to, to me with reports and things that have happened in my past. I don't know that guy. He's super dead. He's six foot under. It's Christ who lives on the inside of me. You can have that same revelation and you can walk in that same reality because Jesus Christ has made you new. You don't have to carry offense. You know how I was talking with a friend and he said, how do you get unoffended? Now I've made it to a point that I just stopped being offended. Somebody comes up to me and says something, it just... Because it's not me. It's Christ who lives on the inside of me. You get the word of God on the inside of your heart and you allow it to change you. And then all of a sudden you start watching things. The words, we love to quote these like refrigerator Bible verses, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And then we fold the first half in part and we just put it on the refrigerator. He'll give me the desires of my heart. That's pretty nice. You delight yourself in the Lord. You delight yourself in the Lord. And then you become invincible by doing so because the Lord puts passion. You see a generation of people right now. I read a thing that there's $600 million a day spent on illegal drugs just for people to feel normal. That's not what the, that's not what the Lord has for his people. You can live victorious, full of joy, full of peace. If you don't have peace in your mind and you don't have joy in your heart, you're not walking according to the statutes of what the word of God says you can be. If you just take the word of God for what it is and believe it for yourself, you'll see a huge difference in you, your family, your workplace. Amen? Amen. You have to take the word of God serious. You have to believe the word of God. I think we were in nine. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. 
If you have the Spirit of God, you are not of the flesh. You are actually a very odd person for this world. The Bible would call you peculiar. Some people would call you weird. Amen? Some people are extra weird just because they want to be. It's okay. The Lord loves you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Uh Uh-oh. Sobering. If you're not walking with the Spirit of life on the inside of you, you may need to check. A, 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 you may need to take that, that oil stick of your heart, dip it down, and see where is your position held. I grew up in church that, that taught us everything that we need to do: say the right things, be the right person, become the right things. But very little preaching about realizing it's the spirit that comes alive on the inside of you. That holiness is actually a position that Jesus gives us, and then something that we actually become as well. But I was taught if you work really hard, then the Lord would call you holy. That's not true. There is a working to salvation. Read the letters in Revelation. He'll tell them every time, I know your works. If you think that you're going to skate through this life because you prayed a prayer when you were three years old at your grandma's church or whatever, it's not going to happen that way. You have to let the word of God come to life on the inside of you. You have to believe this for yourself. Why? Because there's a lost and dying world out there that is being told constantly, you need more medication, you need more drug, you need another, another mate in your life, you need, some, you need another uh, drink of alcohol, you need another uh, whatever else the world can throw at you. And it's because the church has forgotten who Jesus is. The church has forgotten who Jesus is. He's my helper, he's my healer, he's my deliverer, he's my strength, he's my banner. I don't have to fight the things. I told someone the other day, I don't remember really the last bad day that I had because I took the word of God and I realized the word is my strength. And I'm not saying that I haven't had bad things happen to me. I'm not saying that I haven't had sleep. I have a newborn. You don't sleep much. For those of you guys that don't know, I had a brother that passed away from uh, from drug addiction. There are things that happen in life that I don't understand why, but the Bible says I don't have to let it affect me because I can believe the word of God for myself and I can stand in victory because he says that I can. I see so many people allowing their circumstances to dictate their theology. You cannot allow that to happen. I say, especially you see it in, 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 in the worship realm. So many songs we have are about some type of just struggle. You know, we're working hard, trying to get free, trying to get whole, trying to get saved. And then there's an, a, you know, a victorious chorus, everything looks good. And then you go back to verse 2, and we're failing, and we're working, and we're trying, and we're trying to do whatever. But then all of a sudden, here comes the, you know, and then the bridge, we're failing, and we're working, and we have a struggle. That's not how it happens. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He's not coming here to Marmette and setting up another cross and dying so that you can get the reality. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. He's ascended on high. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's continually making intercession for you and I. Jesus Christ is praying that you would make it right now. It's up to you to believe that. Hallelujah. We're having fun. I'm having fun. I think we were at 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. I like this because Paul like threw this in here and then he's going to reverse it. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But 
If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You can have strength in your mortal bodies. I'm tired of hearing people say I'm too young until they're too old. I'm I'm tired of hearing old people say I'm too old until they're in heaven. Caleb said when he was standing in front of Joshua that I was 40 years old when I stood in front of Moses and I did what I was supposed to do. Now I'm looking at this next mountain. 40 years ago, he was 85 standing in the presence and saying, give me this mountain. I am strong enough to go to war. The way that I preach now will be the smallest that I preach ever because I will continue to see the quickening. As, As the King James says, he will quicken your mortal bodies. I will see the strength of God, and I will take hold of every promise that's in the word of God. I don't live defeated. Amen? You guys feel kind of condemned or no? Are we good? Do I need to re-explain condemnation versus conviction? The word of God comes to make you alive. You have to believe it for yourself. There are too many churches, too many worship teams, too many people that don't understand the price that Christ paid for them on Calvary. And then they walk in defeat because of it. I'm not saying you don't have situations. The Bible tells us that we bear with those who are weak, but it does not say that we bear with those who are stiff-necked and stubborn. Jesus had a very specific way of dealing with those. He pointed them to the word, or he ignored them and walked away. What if you just came up to Pastor Frank and said, Hey, Pastor Frank, let me tell you this terrible life story that happened before you preach, and he just walked away. That's how Jesus dealt with these people. Yes, we bear with people who have gone through tragedy. We strengthen these people who have gone through hurt. We build people back up into the the family of God to see them become strong again. But we do not bear with people who sit in the pew week after week and hear the word of God and let their hearts be hardened. They say, oh, I wish somebody was here because that word was for them. That was a good word, but it wasn't for me. This word is for you as much as it's for me right now. I had to let the Lord do this in my heart before I could preach it to you. I wrestled with the Lord over this word. I don't like to preach sad. I don't like to preach hard. I want people to feel victorious. I want people to feel the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord when I preach. I wrestled with the Lord over this word for quite some time. But I want you guys to see the Lord told me. The Lord said, my people are in, are, are in bondage because they don't know what's allowed to them. Whether they don't open their word and they read it or they've been taught wrong all their life. I was taught wrong. I had to spend a very long time unlearning things to relearn the right way. And that's the truth for some of you guys. You brought up in church where we struggle and we wrestle and, you know, like me and the Lord are like over here. I'm not fighting the devil. He says that he'll prepare a table before for me in the presence of my enemies. I'll sit down and I'll eat and he'll go over and kick the devil in the face. That's all that has to happen. That's the victory of the Lord. We believe the word of God. Your struggle is not that you open the heavens. I don't know who keeps closing them. The heavens are open to you. The heavens are open to you, to your family. The promises of God are real to you. They're for today. The same thing you saw Jesus do in the book of or throughout the entire New Testament. You'll see Jesus do in your life if you believe it for yourself. We're going to get through this. Amen. Together. I like this. This is where we're going to start turning around a bit. Let's see if I can wake my laptop back up. Otherwise, we're all in trouble here. Um, Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh 
to live according to the flesh. That means I have no obligation to fulfill what my flesh tells me to do. I don't have to sleep with people. I don't have to, I don't have to, to drink anything. I don't want to drink that the word says I don't. I don't have to take any drugs. I don't have to watch those movies. I, I hear people say, I just can't get over this sin. Yes, you can have strongholds that you need, but most times what you have is a sin problem. And you need to get rid of sin. People don't want to hear that. Because the next thing that comes after sin is what? Death. And then the second death. That's hell. People don't want to hear about hell anymore. Lift my hands. I want to sing the goodness of the Lord. Goodness of God, it chases me down. It's all wonderful. Hell is still a very much real place in 2023. And people will go there if no one tells them about it. No one tells them what they can do. I don't live according to my flesh. I don't, I'm not a slave to sin. We'll sing it, but can you believe it? I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to doubt. But can you believe it for yourself? Amen? Is this hard? Verse number 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death, or if, sorry, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know that the Lord doesn't tell you to do anything that he already hasn't given you the power to do? So in the command, there's also a commission, and in the commission, there's also provision. He's already provided me the strength. I don't live according to what the flesh tells me to do. So uh, verse, verse 14, for as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Come on, somebody say this with me. I don't have the spirit of bondage. Amen. Again, to fear, I'm not in fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God is my Father. We're getting ready to find out Jesus is my brother. He's a co-worker with me. Amen? Do you realize that when you go to work on yourself, and you think, I'm not enough. I can't do this. Jesus actually comes alongside you. He pulls up a rolly chair in the office of your heart and says, let's do this together. And the cool part is, is he's the, he's the guy in the project that does most of the work. You just have to believe him that he's going to do it. Amen? Pastor Frank, amen? Come on. I love when Pastor Frank laughs. It makes me happy. Amen? We have received the spirit that by where we cry out, Abba, Father, verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What does that mean? If you don't have the assurance that you, if you were to die today, if you were to breathe out your last breath, you don't know that you would go to heaven. You need to make something right with the Lord because my word tells me that the spirit actually bears witness with my spirit that I belong to the Lord. Amen? We're going to have an altar call later. We can all make this right. Amen. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. How many of you guys know what it means to be an heir? Like if you're a king, you didn't know. We all seen that movie with Amanda Bynes. She died, or like somebody dies, they leave her all this money and she becomes a queen or whatever, right? Have you ever seen that movie? We're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. People get offended when you preach this. I could, walk, I could have came up here and said, well, you know, the Lord, you know, it, it, sometimes you live in defeat. Sometimes you live in hurt. Sometimes you live in pain or shame. Or, and people would be, bless him, Lord. Somebody touch him. People love when you're, beat, when you're beat down. But when you walk in victory, now you're arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I believe the word of God. That's all it is. I haven't said anything out of my own accord, just the word of God. Yes or no? Amen. You can believe this for yourself. 
You can believe this for your family. You can believe this for your finances. You can believe this for your physical health. You can believe this for power over sin, over the things that plague your mind. We'll finish this out really quick. Heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, and I want to point something out. The Lord does not suffer his people through, through lack or sickness. Or the, In James chapter 1, the Bible says that the Lord cannot be tempted by evil, nor will he tempt you. There's times that there's testing. There's times where the Lord does something. But again, Jesus never showed up on the, on the scene, saw the guy who'd been laying on the mat for years, and said, hey, how about 38 more years? That's not how Jesus does things. He brings freedom. You are a co-heir with Christ. If you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, you are a co-heir with Christ. It is up for you to take the Word of God, let it do a work on the inside of your heart so it can do a work through you. If you don't let it happen on the inside of you, I'm not telling you these things because I just want you to do it. I'm telling you this because there was a time period that I thought I had to struggle. There was a time period I thought I had to be defeated. There was a time period I thought my wife would be sick forever. And then she took a hold of the word of God and she started believing what the word of God said about herself. And then she found that I am set free from the power of sin and death and I can live in freedom. You can live in freedom today. You can live in victory by the power of God. Amen. 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 We put sin far out of our midst. This Bible may make it today. Amen. Amen, Pastor Don. I want to look at, I want to look at something really quickly, and then I want to jump into really what I wanted to talk about. That was just the opening. We're going to try to get through here quick. My laptop's asleep or something. I don't know. I don't need it. When you find in, 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 in 1 Samuel, you find Samuel comes on the scene. And what you realize is that, um, how many of you guys know, are familiar with the story? How many of you guys know what the Ark of the Covenant is in the Old Testament? Cool, a couple of you guys. The Ark of the Covenant is what contained the presence of the Lord before you guys realize that the Spirit of the Lord used to come upon people in the Old Testament. Now the Spirit of the Lord comes on the inside of people now. I live with Christ on the inside of me, not, not just upon me. The Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of the Lord. And you find before Samuel, the prophet, comes on the scene, there was a high priest named Eli. Now, Eli seemed to do all the right things, but he had two sons that were very wicked. The Bible only really tells you a handful of things about them, that they would actually steal the sacrifices that the people brought forward. So they were bringing their best to give to the Lord, and the, the sons of Eli would actually steal what they had. They would, they would take the part that belonged to God, and they actually said, if you won't give it to me, I'll take it by force. That was the sons of Eli. The next thing that you find out about the sons of Eli is they were sleeping with the women outside of the, of the temple. They were supposed to be the workers in the temple. They were supposed to be the people who set the temperature for the people of God. They were supposed to be the people who set the standard for righteous living. So then in a couple chapters later, you see that any time that the, the, the presence of the Lord came into the camp, it was impossible for the people not to have victory. And so what happens is the, 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 the people of Israel go to war with a significantly smaller army. And when they go to go to war, they get their head thumped. They go back to war, they get their head thumped again, and then the Ark of the Covenant is actually stolen. And the men actually, it actually says when the people came back into the presence of the elders of the people. These weren't just the people that they had seen the hand of God move in mighty ways, in mighty deliverances. Understand that these were the elders of the people of Israel. And they said, why has God defeated us this day? 
You don't realize, but the people were already defeated before they went into battle because they refused to deal with the sin that was in their camp. And what they thought they could do was take the presence of God, go out and flash it around and get what they wanted or get what they thought they needed. What they've done is they trafficked the anointing, they trafficked the presence of God, and they traded it in for their own personal gain. And when they thought they could just lay the wave their little Jesus flag out there and then wonder why their head is getting rocked because they refused to... To deal with their sin, they refuse to deal with the sensuality, the things that they couldn't get rid of, or the things that they wouldn't get rid of, is what ultimately caused them to be defeated. Now I'll show you this: when they steal the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistine actually, the Philistine army take it and they put it in their little treasure cove where their God lives. His name was Dagon or something like that, and. Um, it's a pole, right? It's the image of their God. It said the next day when they came in to check on everything, the, their God had been knocked over which was significant to them because it had never been knocked over, but the presence of the Lord had never been there. You see, you think that the Lord has been defeated or you think that the Lord has caused you to be defeated, but actually your lack of believing the word of God has caused you to live in perpetual defeat if that's the truth for you. Then the next day when they, they set Dagon back up, they come back out. Not only is Dagon knocked over, but he's broken. His arms are snapped off. His head is snapped off. The Lord was saying, don't you put me beside another God. I won't live with another God. I won't live with idolatry. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I will not be defeated. I have overcome the world. And when you get that down on the inside of you, the people were defeated, but the Lord never lost a battle. When you get the Lord on the inside of you, you will never lose another battle. The last battle that you lost will be the last battle that you lose because you get the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and then victory comes. Now, why I'm yelling at you guys about this, what I want you to understand is because if you don't get this, if you don't get this, you will become like the elders of the people of Israel, a whole generation that doesn't know the power of God. They don't know the power of God because the elders wouldn't take hold of it and wouldn't make it what, they, what it was supposed to be. They wouldn't let the Holy Ghost reign supreme in their church services, in their life. You know, I hear all these people, we used to do prayer shut-ins. We used to do all-night prayer. We used to fast corporately as a body. Why don't you give the next generation the opportunity to do the same? You saw young people worshiping passionately, leading you in victory this morning. What are you giving them to look forward to for the next generation? God has defeated us. No, God hasn't. Your lack of belief in God has defeated you. I see, man, I get tore up about the worship songs that come out. I don't mean to keep coming back to it. But people just want to sing defeat and be defeated because it's more attractive. And it's easier to step up and say, no, my God has made me to be victorious by his word. When Jesus Christ came out of the grave, he signed a contract that said, every single promise in this book belongs to me. I can live victorious. I can live with freedom over top of sin. I don't have to fear. I don't have to doubt. It's written in blood. The Lord loves me. He causes me to triumph. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll show you what we're going to go to. Uh, 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 I don't think it's, I didn't tell you any of this. Um, 
Exodus 3, really quick. You don't have to go there. I'll paraphrase it for you as quick as I can because I want to get to something. If you don't get the reality of the Word of God on the inside of you and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will see a generation go by the wayside because what they're being offered is nothing more than three points to living better. The, the Bible is not three points to a more successful life. The Bible is the key to life itself. It is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm tired of seeing intellectual people saying intellectual things that are spiritually ignorant. The Bible shows you the Holy Spirit. He shows Jesus said, when I leave, I will leave another. He will make all things known to you. Then you see a couple people take them and they say, aren't these the men? They take hold of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Spirit and they shake the world. They say, these are the men that have came here to this town. They've turned the world upside down and now they're here. And you want to know why people are leaving the church in droves? It's because they don't know the scriptures, nor do they know the power of God. It's our job as leaders. It's our job as people of God to take the reality of the Holy Ghost. You owe your generation. You owe your workplace. You owe your community an encounter with God. Every person at the sound of my voice, you owe your workplace. Any place that you exist, you might have been hired to sell something. You might have been hired to stock shelves. But what you were actually done was sent in there with a commission by God to, as, as a Holy Ghost, like undercover, to bring the harvest in. In. that's why you were put there you were given a commission to preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. now the issue is as we preach the gospel most people have righteous living down I'm not out selling crap I'm not running racketeering I'm not doing things like that but you forfeited the power of the gospel You've taken the, the anointing, and, not, and I'm not talking you specifically. People in the church world in general has trafficked the anointing and has taken what the, the Spirit of God that's meant to, to cause people to live in victory. And they've trafficked it because it feels better to do it a different way. That's not what the power of God is. I'm going to show you really quickly two or three things, and then we're going to wrap up. In, in, in Exodus chapters 3, we're going to read about 10 or 12 verses. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why does the bush not burn? So when the Lord saw that he turned. Some of you guys have been doing life one way and you need to turn around. You need to come to the realization that there's a fire of God that will change your life. Let me show you what Moses' automatic reaction was. So when he saw that the, uh, he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place you stand is holy ground. I want you to realize you have to put something off when you come to God. You can't carry doubt. You can't carry shame. A chapter ago, Moses knew somewhat what his calling was. He saw his brothers being uh, beaten. He saw his brothers being whipped, and he decided he had to do something about it. He went out and killed, so he did something according to the flesh. When you do something according to the flesh, it causes you to hide your face from God. Moses, when he took his sandals off and drew, drew near... Um, it says that uh, God said, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. Um, 
Oh, I lost my place. I'm sorry. He called him uh, from the midst of the bush and Moses, Moses, here I am. Verse five. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am your God, uh, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. When you do something according to the flesh, it will cause you to draw back from the fire or the power of God, the cleansing fire. People talk about the fire for many things, but what the fire actually does also is it brings judgment and it brings cleansing to you so that you can live in freedom. Moses, took, he turned aside. He turned and went a different direction. We would call that repentance. Then he took off the old self. He took off what identified him with the old life, and then he took a hold of the fire of God. You owe your generation an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it can't be done without the fire of God. We're going to jump down to verse number 11. God gives him this. I've seen my people. I know what they're going through. Verse number 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Oh, when you answer by the flesh, all you'll ever know is condemnation. Who am I? What can I achieve? What can I do? But when you answer by the Spirit of God, you'll take hold of the promises of God and you'll realize I'm the answer to my generation's problems. I'm the answer to my school place's problems, my workplace problems. You have a duty to take an encounter of God to the place that you exist in. We're going to jump over to uh, verse 4. God tells him, I will certainly be your chapter 4. Then Moses answered after God tells him all the things that you should do. This one he says, we love the verse, I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. I am that I am. Then Moses said in, in chapter 4, verse 1, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord was patient with Moses the first time, and he's patient with Moses again. The Lord says, Here, I'll show you what to do. I'll give you the answer. Then when you jump down to verse number 9, it says, And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you should take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The Lord was giving him a way out by the power of God. Verse, verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent neither before uh, nor since you have spoken to your servant. Moses was saying, I have a physical deformity. I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I, I don't know how to talk the way that other people talk when they address kings and pharaohs. Um, verse 13 or verse 12, now therefore uh, the Lord said to him, verse 11, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute? Who makes the deaf? Who makes the seeing? Who makes the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. And then verse uh, 13, But he said, O Lord, please send my hand, or please send by the hand of whomever you may send. Send somebody else, God. And it says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. You can't sit back and say, Lord, send somebody else to my generation. Send somebody else to my workplace. Young people, you can't say, send somebody else to my school. The Lord has called you there. When, he called, when Mordecai told Esther, when, the, when they intended to do damage to the people of Israel, uh, Mordecai told him, you can sit and be silent, but you and your father's house will die, and the Lord will send somebody else to deliver his people. You can sit and be silent, but people will die because of it. You have a story. You have a testimony. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology. You don't have to go to Bible college 
knowledge to change your world. You just have to have a testimony. Has the Lord done something for you? Has he brought you out of something that nobody else ever could? Stop getting hung up in silly things and tell people what the Lord has done for you because he wants to change your workplace. He wants to change your generation. You have to take hold of the power of God. Romans 8, and I think it's 18, and we're going to start to wrap this up totally. I want you to see something. Some of you are sitting in the church today. Some of you are sitting in the church today, and you think that your job is to wait on heaven. Romans 8 and 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We love to talk about heaven, but watch this, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. I've already, it's already been revealed to me who the Lord is. It's already been revealed to me who, what the Lord wants to do in my life. But creation is waiting for me. Some of you are waiting for heaven today. I got saved. My pew is very comfortable. I don't leave it. While you're waiting for heaven, people are waiting for you. And people are dying while they're waiting. I want you to understand something. You have the power of God. You know, I'm tired of seeing the, the, these, the, this gospel that brings out only the intellect. You realize that the Bible, the word of God is living and alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It will accomplish that which it set out to do. It will offend your mind so it can reveal your heart. But if we only preach the intellect of God, all we have is just a Bible. All we have is a book. You can go buy a Dave Ramsey book on how to fix your finances. I'm so glad that when Paul and Silas were crying out to, Lord, to the Lord in prison that it wasn't the intellectual gospel. It was the power of God that showed up and unlocked the door. And then not only that, but when it unlocked the door, it actually arrested all of the people who were there. If you're in prison and all the doors come open, where are the people that are in prison going? They're making a jailbreak. Not when, Paul, not when the anointing shows up, because when the anointing shows up, it'll pull a pull on people's hearts, and they'll want to hear what's going on. Why did Paul and Silas, why were they able to sit in prison and sing the way they sang? Why did when the doors flung open, all the people came over? I guarantee you they wanted to know, how could you sit here in this terrible prison? and sing the songs that you sing. The jailer comes running. He's going to kill himself. But no, he's arrested by the anointing and then he takes him home. He gets saved. His family gets saved. I'm grateful that when the, the, the power of God comes in, it doesn't leave a situation the way that it was before it got there. When Jesus met the Gadarian man, right, in, in Mark chapter 5, it wasn't just the intellectual gospel that Jesus presented before him. He sat in the tombs, cutting himself, crying and wailing. Look at our generation, cutting themselves, crying and wailing. They're looking for hope. They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. And they're trying to find it in all the wrong places because the church won't leave the church. The, the intellectual gospel is great. I love intellect. You have to have intellect. It's the spirit and it's the word when you partner them together. It's the spirit, but it's the, it's the spirit that brings life. But it's the law that kills. It's the letter of the law that kills. That's what the word says. I'm grateful that it wasn't just when, 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 when Philip had to go and catch down the man who was on a chariot. The Bible says, by the power of God, he outran the chariot. And the man was saved. He said, what do I do now? I need to get baptized. That's the power of God. When Moses did the miracles, it caused the people to rally behind him. You can't just preach the intellect of God. You have to have the power of God. 
Hallelujah. I want, to put, I want to put a challenge out for you guys tonight. Worship team, you can come. We're going to close out. But I want you guys to think for a second. As we were reading through Romans chapter 8, some of you guys wrestle with things in your mind. Things that you can't get free from. Things that you can't overcome. Things that you can't win against. You've prayed. You've prayed. You've prayed. And you wonder, why do I still wrestle with these things? There are things in the Bible called strongholds. We do not war like the world wars. The weapons of warfare are not fleshly. We war by the Spirit. I'm giving you a key so that you can unlock something. You're talking to a guy who was locked in anxiety and depression for many years. I would go a year or two sometimes without getting a haircut because I was afraid what happened when I left the house. I wouldn't touch doorknobs. I would stand in the hallways at schools and wait for somebody else to open the doors even if it meant I was late for class because I was bound by anxiety. I was bound by, by, by anything that could hurt me. And then I came alive or the word of God came alive to me. I was bound by hurt. I was bound by pain. I was on my way to becoming a drug addict. But then the Lord said, no, that one is mine. And he called me out. And he put something down on the inside of my heart to see other people delivered. I'm sick and tired of seeing people that live in bondage. The Lord calls you out of bondage into this marvelous light. Today, some of you are sitting in this place and you're saying, none of this message has applied to me. I'm not even saved. I don't have the reality of Jesus down on the inside of my heart. You can today. You can today. Why would you leave this place? You just heard a whole message about what the enemy wants for you. John 10, 10, the gospel in one verse. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that you could have life and have life more abundantly. He wants you to, he wants you to prosper in life. He wants your family to live. He wants your, your, your finances to prosper. He wants your spiritual life to live. Why would you go back to an old life full of death? Why would you go back to a life full of depression, full of shame? You don't have to do that. You can turn around like Moses did. You can come to the fire of God and get delivered in one moment. You don't have to live that way. Some of you guys are sitting in here and you've said for years, oh, we used to pray like that. Oh, we used to fast like that. Oh, we used to go after the presence of the Lord like that. And then you sit here and you offer nothing to the next generation. You are one generation away from losing the power of God in this world. One generation away. Will you hold on to your tradition? Will you hold on to your religion? Or will you make a resolution? I'm not letting my generation slip by. I'm not sitting back and watching the enemy take my generation, my grandchildren's generation, my children's generation. I'm going to take hold of the Word of God. I'm going to believe it for myself. I'm going to see the things of God for my kids, see the things of God for the next generation. Some of you need to hit this altar today and you need to apologize to the Lord for shunning the Holy Spirit in your life, shunning the Holy Spirit in your workplace. He wants to work mighty through you in power and powerful works and signs and wonders and miracles and deeds. He wants to make new on the inside of your heart. Why would you go back to a life that kills? Why would you go back to a life that binds? Some of you say, I don't even know why I'm alive anymore. I don't even know what I'm passionate about anymore. Jesus Christ is in this house today and he wants to put something on the inside of you that changes you, that changes generations. He doesn't want you to stay the same anymore. I want to share the Lord came to me about two years ago. I was praying, I was seeking the Lord and the Lord told me, he said, son, don't ever
looks at you as a son and as a daughter. He calls you out. He says, son, there's going to come a time that I'm going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And you're going to have to look into the eyes that are like fire. Nothing escapes those eyes. And you're going to have to give me an account. Why do I preach the way that I preach now? Some of you guys have been here long enough to hear the young man that used to stand and shake behind a pulpit. Why do I? Because I like Jeremiah. I found the words of the Lord and I ate them and they became life and they became joy and they were like fire shut up in my bones. I'm tired of a gospel that doesn't bring fire into men's bones. When the disciples were talking, they said, did not our hearts burn on the inside of us while we were on the 